Steve Sherlock here for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, anywhere on the internet, WFPR.FM, and in the local Franklin Mass Radio FM dial, in the car, at home, 102.9, here in the studio today with school committee member Dave Callahan. Dave, thank you for taking time. Absolutely, and thank you so much for uh, this opportunity. Really appreciate it. Yes. So we'll get into a variety of school topics, but... Uh, We'll see where it goes. <laughs> there's, uh, yeah, there's plenty of conversations to be had right now uh, with everything that's going on with the schools. There is a bunch. And I think given the town administrator just released the budget, want to start there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, better, no better place. So, uh, yeah, because I know we had just... Uh, uh, recently uh, passed uh, what uh, the school committees are recommended uh, budget, which actually was an increase over the superintendent's recommended budget. Recommended budget. Right. Yeah. And, uh, but now with uh, looking at those numbers, uh, what came back through uh, the town administrators recommended uh, leaves about 2.4 mm -hmm. million uh, of a difference between uh, our right. ask and, and his recommendation. Yep. yep. So pencils will need to get sharpened. Discussions yes. and decisions will need to get made. Um, but we got to go through the budget hearings first. <laughs> Correct, yes. <laughs> and there may be some opportunity there. Who knows, right? There's always some hope, but we'll see. <laughs> and so I know, yeah, we got those uh, scheduled for uh, middle of May. Yep. Uh, the be FinCom hearings are Monday, May 8th, mm -hmm. is the general town administration, administrator, board of health, town clerk, those general government things. School committee and schools are Wednesday the 10th. Yes. You have a school committee meeting on the night, so you'll be busy two nights in a row for those <laughs> who choose to participate. So schools, uh, both Franklin Public Schools, Tri-County is going to be there because, again, they have the potential uh, building replacement decision on their part Correct. potentially yeah. later this year. So that's going to be there. And I believe Norfolk Aggie certainly is part of the budget, whether they'll have somebody there or not, time TBT. And then to complete at least the budget hearings, that Thursday, the 11th, uh, will be public safety, so police, fire, and the MEC, the dispatch operations, and then DPW, roads, grounds, and then the uh, stabilizations, not stabilizations, the enterprise accounts for water, sewer, uh, uh, solid waste, trash and recycle, and stormwater. And that'll, that night will also be interesting because there'll potentially be a sewer rate increase um, exactly how much, but we've got that Beaver Street Interceptor people we've been hearing about. Um, that's going to be the largest non-school infrastructure project from what I've been told. Yes. Um, so that's going to be a significant piece that's fortunately going to get covered by the sewer users, but there will still be an increase. Yeah, and so there's, yeah, there's a lot, and I know, and even between them, we're going to have, like the schools, we'll have our uh, budget subcommittee meetings, we'll have the, the full school committee meetings where right. a lot of these conversations are going to take place. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot between now and mm -hmm. and then. Uh, and so, yeah, for, for those, uh, you know, it's a great time to kind of jump in mm -hmm. and uh, to start listening, to start kind of having some of those conversations yep. right now to to you know, get your voices out there. Yeah, and to, then to be clear, at the end of May, the 24th and 25th, town council does their thing. And certainly between the two, if you haven't heard, the FinCom meetings, respectfully, are much more detailed by department. Each department head is there, and they go almost line by line. So you really get an understanding of what police, what schools, what DPW, what's really driving the individual department needs for their budgets. As opposed to town council, respectfully, 
they can certainly watch all that and they expect everybody else to watch all that on the wednesday night of the 24th they just simply read kind of the top line of each of the budgets and then the counselors have a chance to put a hold on a particular item for discussion so of i don't know two pages worth maybe call it 60 items 10 12 may put on hold for further discussion assuming all those discussions happen that wednesday night then they just formally go through the closing of the hearing on Thursday and then vote the budget. It generally works out. Some questions are carried over because you can't always get all the answers at once. So those will be covered on Thursday and then they'll vote the budget. And at that point in time, we'll find out, okay, you're allocated currently one something. Is that truly going to be what it is or are they going to go up or down? We won't know until that vote. Right. You know, and, and you know, so until then, there's, yeah, there's a lot of come back to conversations but a lot of conversations that, that need to be happening and, mm-hmm. and a lot of kind of you know strategy to kind of figure out um you know if there is that, that 2.4 million dollar difference you know has where's that gap right uh, what's going to be done to either to, to backfill that to reduce right. that uh and how exactly we're going to get there yeah and then given the budget is what 88 percent people and benefits mm-hmm. you don't have a whole lot of other places <laughs> to make adjustments with. Um, and then you've always got that kind of contractual timing and notification. Right. And uh, where, yeah, we, we have to, to be able to notify, you know, so many staff members mm-hmm. with yeah enough advancement. I know that was one of the big things that kind of came around and mm-hmm. I think it was summer of 2020. 2020, uh, when that, that Franklin yeah. 103 was largely because of that unknown, but having to kind of meet that. The timeline. That, yeah. Yeah. To be able to say, all right, yeah, we can't, you know, completely guarantee this. We have to start those proceedings. Yeah. Yeah. Because the budget timeline was later because of COVID, et cetera. The town council wasn't voting until later in June that year, as opposed to this year, they're voting in May. Mm -hmm. So we'll know. But there's still timelines. (laughs) You You still have some due dates to notifications. So, so the superintendent made its recommendation and then kind of put a page of these are things that would be, you know, like almost wish list items we really would want but we just can't see in his view from the district kind of bubbled up and yet the school committee in its wisdom decided well we're going to put those in and go forward with that correct yeah just at our last meeting um we you had a vote but there was a, a lengthy you know kind discussion, of discussion back and forth yeah, yeah really kind of and, and i know i was uh Kind of struggling with with that decision and mm-hmm. really kind of playing it out in, in real time because uh i you know referred to it as it was page 10 in mm-hmm. our in our our big blue budget you know uh binder page 10 was all of those about four hundred thousand dollars of positions that were being requested by by mm-hmm. administration and yeah that didn't make it into the recommended budget right and uh, yeah superintendent you know explained you know the difference of what made it in versus what didn't but mm-hmm. throughout especially this past year i've really been trying to to really get a good handle and and ask that that page 10 kind of be included of the stuff that has been left behind the stuff mm-hmm. because it's you know it's it's one yeah. thing to kind of know the positions that you know have been cut and the mm-hmm. programs that had to be reduced over the years because of budgetary reasons right uh but i think it's it's just as valuable to know well, what you know, what's out there that is being requested that we can't even consider mm-hmm. right now because the money is not there. Right. You know, right. That was, it was it was one thing. It was from an elementary school 
uh, they were asking for an assistant principal position that just dealt with uh, student services, mm-hmm. with uh, those with, with higher needs. And at this one elementary school, it's over 25% of their students are on IEPs, yep. uh, individual education plans. And so there's definitely a, a, a huge need for it. But again, it, was, it wasn't it was even something that uh, was able to make it into the recommended budget, mm-hmm. just financially. It just right. realistically, you know, the superintendent yeah. believed it wasn't there. And, and I think it's just, it's so important to be able to have those discussions and be able to see that list explicitly to say, you know, this not only, yeah, like I said, not, not only wasn't able to, to be reduced or had to be cut, but just straight up wasn't even to be able to brought up into the conversation in the first mm-hmm. place because the, the money isn't there. Right. And that's being mindful as he was and Miriam was as the entire central office were putting the budget together. You know going in, the town gets between 3 and 3-5 of kind of new money each year. You can put forward, you know, close to 3, but you know realistically you're not going to get all of it. <laughs> but you put forward at least something and you ended up effectively putting forward more and now you found out, oh, we're not going to get all of that. So... <laughs> Those discussions are still going to have to happen as to, you know, where within that are are, are the uh, adjustments going to be. Absolutely. And that's where, you know, during a lot of the budget subcommittee meetings and future ones, we'll definitely kind of, you know, start to to have more of those conversations. Mm -hmm. But at least what I'm what I'm hopeful for uh, personally is that it at least kind of brings to light uh, what you know, really what, you know, like a broader, you know, picture what the schools are actually requesting, what the what the schools and what the students uh, need in order to, to really kind of compete and just have a, an excellent level of education in 2023. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes when that, when that page 10, when that list of 400,000, uh, you know, requests isn't even normally included in the budget binder. Right. right. Which, you know. Um, Some prior years it wasn't. Right. Miriam Goodman had, had mentioned that, it, sure. you know. It often uh, wasn't uh, until it started to kind of be uh, asked mm-hmm. for this year was that uh, you don't even quite know what you're missing because it's not even there in the first place. Right. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's part of, and having been part of many of the discussions, it's my schedule, fortunately, I'm allowed, I allow myself to participate in a lot of the workshops and subcommittee meetings so I can follow kind of the the bouncing ball as it goes along the process. Oh, this was mentioned here. This was mentioned here. Oh, this one dropped out. This one's back. Mm-hmm. This, But unless you keep track of that, which is hard, <laughs> you really need somebody at a Merriam level or within the, the district level to be able to keep track of those pieces. It, it, it becomes difficult. Uh, you know, because even stuff like, you know, I, we mentioned, we talked about like the world language program at the elementary level. Mm-hmm. And that had dropped off a number of years ago. And it would be one of those where if it weren't kind of part of the conversation, if it wasn't something that kind of was brought up every, you know, every, Mm -hmm. you know, couple of years, that it would be very easy for that just to completely, you know, fall off and and never kind of come back again, at least kind of by being part of that conversation. I feel that, uh, you know, I think it it gives some opportunity for it possibly to kind of at some point in the future to be able to to be pulled back Mm -hmm. in because it's a heck of a lot easier to be able to, if, you know, the funds are out there, to be able to add in something that's part of the conversation that's being talked about versus something that just kind of gets dropped and never discussed again. Never discussed, right. Yeah, and I'm fortunate. I haven't spent the 15-plus years doing this. I started because my kids 
didn't ha need me to come home to help them with homework anymore. One was already out. The other one was suf suf uh, taking care of herself at the high school. My wife at the time was teaching kindergarten. Both were coming back with, well, the fees are increasing here. This budget is getting cut here. And I decided, well, let me go find out what's going on. Mm -hmm. So I'd go to a meeting or two and look at the paper the next day and realize, well, wait a minute. That was a two-hour meeting in the paper. That was a five-minute conversation. <laughs> where, where was kind of the rest of it? So coincidentally, in 2006, uh, there was an event in Boston. I had been on an internet kind of thread group, et cetera, and there was going to be a pod camp in Boston. It was going to be free in Boston and talking about podcasting and blogging and it's like, okay, I'm there. <laughs> and then I realized as I got there, wait a minute, I'm a project manager at work. I take notes and I f track people with their commitments to make sure we deliver the project. I can do that at a meeting. I'll just take my laptop, put a modem on it, take notes during the meeting. And then, you know, clearly over 15 years, I've refined my process a little bit. <laughs> but the daily newsletter has been coming out for that 15 plus years. And it started because I was realizing that the education my kids were getting and got through high school was not going to be the education the kids coming after them were getting. And yeah, languages were cut. Trips, if they happen, are funded by PCCs, mm -hmm. right? There's so many other programs. Librarians. There are no librarians in the district. Really? A school <laughs> with no librarians? Well, and actually, now, not just the school, but, but Franklin. The, the, you know, home the of home of the library, library doesn't have a librarian. Yes, In the schools. Yeah. Right. Now, they've been creative. So I think it's Cali goes into the middle school libraries periodically. But should we, to that point, should that be the way our kids get library services? It's open for a question. Let's have the conversation. So, yeah, my efforts for the 15 plus years and for how many in the future were started because, you know, education as valued as it is, the money just hasn't been there. And we need to figure out how. Absolutely. You know, and, and I know that, uh, I, you know, there's a lot of great conversations uh, Remember, was Council Member uh, Frangilio talking about the joint budget. I was mm -hmm. hearing him talking about you know some uh, great you know ways to, to bring in some new growth and new revenue. I know a lot of conversations are out there, but yeah, ultimately it just it, it we need to start having more mm -hmm. of those conversations. And because ultimately, I know um, you know Chairwoman uh, Spencer often kind of says like the you know the, the budget is is a document of our values and what we value. Right. And. It, it is incredibly important to be able to to provide that, that you know, proper value to mm -hmm. both, uh, you know, our, our students today and the students tomorrow, right? As well, uh, here in Franklin, you know, how we get there mm -hmm. is is definitely a topic of, of conversation, right? Yeah, and I think in the legislative forum that you had recently, which is now available via video, and I did the audio as well, so people can listen to that. We really can't expect any significant additional help from the state. Chapter 70 was redone, so now it's the Student Opportunity Act. And we had benefited when it first came out in 1993 or something like that, in the early 90s, before just before we were getting here. Um, we benefited by that formula. 
to the extent that we're one of what 13 15 communities to be held harmless we're number two on that list and thereby rather visible to other districts hey wait a minute they're getting more how come it's a so we have to give credit rightfully to our legislative delegation to rep roy uh senator roush and at the time senator spilka because they got us held harmless when student opportunity act passed right and the two key pieces that we still benefit from coincidentally are things that we can still get some benefit from in terms of the uh, special ed circuit breaker mm -hmm. and transportation right everybody has transportation needs and those clearly are still something that we need to work with in et cetera. so we at least can get some help there but it's it's not the silver lining so to speak absolutely yeah yeah you know and i thought you talked about like transportation and with you know like the the fees mm -hmm. uh, as well that uh it was uh, you know a conversation that kind of came up during uh, a recent budget subcommittee that we had when we looked at the historical uh, oh, trends so that one private school tuition that the state controls well, so there was well there was that well, yeah so that one uh, you know for in in uh this actually i know was mentioned in the uh, the budget document and the narrative from the town mm -hmm. administrator, right? Uh, and again, incredible kind of you know kudos and thanks to our our state legislators. But uh, that one originally it was almost three quarters of a million dollar of an increase, a fourteen percent increase. When traditionally it was only two to three percent. Right. Uh, thankfully, there is some legislation out there that's uh, going to lower that, hopefully substantially. Yeah. Um, but there's also, you know, in terms of with transportation, just the, the normal, like the bus fee uh -huh. that, you know, each parent is, is having to pay for. And we were, uh, we kind of were asking about uh, historically, what are the trends in terms of the increases? And one thing uh, we, uh, Miriam was kind of, you know, rolling back and saying, uh -huh. all right, here's where we're at. Uh, you know, the, the bus fee and, and a lot of the other fees kind of remained stagnant until 2008. And then stagnant again until 2020, uh -huh. and now they're kind of back up in, in part of that conversation right. about to be increased. And when you look and you say, well, you know, 2008 part of the, you know the Great Recession, and uh -huh. 2020 a, a global pandemic, right? But now this there's not a lot of external factors right now. This is right now kind of where we're at uh -huh. is uh, you know a Franklin issue. Yep. And you know it's something that's when you kind of look back on too, and, and a lot of. Uh, a lot of old documents always kind of keep talking about hearing that that fiscal cliff, mm -hmm. and you know everyone was you know expect to hit that fiscal cliff in, in so many years, and then the pandemic happened, and a lot of voices saying that it might have you know kind of delayed mm -hmm. hitting that that fiscal cliff. I, I really think right now we're we're standing at the precipice right. of that, um, you know, and where we have a, a lot of a lot of challenges, kind of you know moving forward in terms of. You know how exactly are we going to be able to fund uh, the all of the services, not mm -hmm. just you know the, the schools, all of the services, but you know I, I, I'm, I'm seeing more of the schools right now in the position that I'm at, and uh, you know are we going to be able to to fund them at not just the level that they're at today, but really the level that they ought to be, mm -hmm. or are we going to have to continually you know cut other programs and cut right. other services? Right, and I think in back even in the FinCom meeting, it was asked or if, if we ever got to the state average per pupil, could we use that? Absolutely we could. Right. <laughs> Do we need to get to the state average? Probably not, but we can get 
certainly a whole lot of bang for the buck because that's what we're doing right now with some key investments in certain areas, and that's potentially what that page 10 was, was additional investments in key areas in order to provide the best education that we can to the students. When you look at, yeah, in terms of like investments, like there's uh, just our last meeting really kind of highlighted uh, some of the work that's being done. It was by both uh, Dr. Rogers and Dr. Frazier uh -huh. in terms of incredible grant writing, yes. where it is, it's, you know, tune into a school committee meeting and it's barely one meeting, you know, after another of uh, hearing about one more grant that's that was secured by by those two and by the mm -hmm. entire you know central office right uh you know their their salaries alone provide incredible you know uh, financial investment but also yeah there's so many other positions that are out there that you know can provide so much great investment back to to the students and just to, to be able to further their education yeah because ultimately and while there is a point and i think a use case for kind of the virtual education or the virtual classes. Ultimately, education is a people business. You know, and the pandemic, if anything, reinforced that, that while some people could do both work as well as school remotely, people benefited, <laughs> kids in particular benefited if they had the face-to-face -face interaction in a school environment. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and, I, and I think, too, that when you look at at the pandemic, like what they, you know, what they do benefit from too is that, you know, I, and I think that there's so many, it's great that we're really, you know, we can say post-pandemic, we're kind of entering that mm -hmm. that next phase. But when you look at the, the students that, yeah, they, they did have, you know, like those years where, uh, especially, you know, in some incredibly, you know, formative years, during the pandemic. Uh -huh. And it's really kind of causing a lot of cascading, you know, effects in, in right. terms of, you know, just their social, emotional uh, well-being, uh -huh. in terms of just their, their behavioral issues. That's a, you know, a constant right. refrain too. Yep. Just as often we hear about some of the great grants that are being secured uh, by central office, we also sure. hear about a lot of the behavioral issues that are coming. And, and I think that largely, um, it's exclusively, but largely, you know, like I mean, the, the pandemic in, in what those kids went mm -hmm. through, it has to, you know, be a, a big inflection point. Yeah, I agree. And um, I know, I, I don't think I've seen the results yet, but the Metro West uh, student survey generally is what, every three years or so? And then that was suspended during the pandemic. And oh, by the way, during the suspension, the actual delivery of kind of those mitigation classes and or whether workshops to the students and through the faculty, et cetera, didn't happen. So, oh, by the way, when we started coming back into and we're starting to see and continuing to see at the high school to a certain extent, some of the vandalism through the, we missed the opportunity to, those kids as they were coming through didn't get it when they should have and the supports were not there. And oh, by the way, now this is happening and now it puts us in a bind. So, at least from my point of view, yeah, that in itself says we need to do more. Mm -hmm. The question is, how do we do that and how do we best do that? And, oh, by the way, how do we fund it? <laughs> well, yeah. Because that ultimately comes back to the money anyway. And that's, you know, like, yeah, we had, um, I was not that long ago, I was talking to one of our SROs, uh, the <clears throat> school resource officer. Sure. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he was saying that there's just this level of behavior that, 
he hadn't seen before. Nope. Pre, you know, pre-pandemic. Sure. And, and so it definitely is a conversation of, yeah, how do we, you know, we want to be able to to assist in that. We want to be able to kind of provide that that level of support, you know, for, for the kiddos. But where's the money for that? Mm-hmm. And, and what do we, uh, if we can't, if we're not going to be adding to the budget, if the budget, you know, like uh, to provide that level of support, you know, or what are we going to be looking to cut to kind of put in its place? Mm-hmm. You know, because I think that's, that's, you know, I know sometimes, uh, you know, one of the conversations talks about the enrollment trends. Yeah. Right. And that, uh, you know, when you look at, at the decreasing enrollment levels that you would expect to anticipate a decrease, you know, of, of the budget. Yeah. You yep. know, because like when you talk about like that, <clears throat> that state average, mm-hmm. you know, I think like right now when when we talk about like Franklin uh, being in the bottom 20 percent now, right. I think when I first uh, kind of started to, to, to get involved, uh, Franklin was uh, in the bottom 25 percent, 75 percent of other districts sure. are investing more. Yep, yep. A couple of years since we've now slid to the a bottom, bit, 20, a further behind. 20%. <laughs> and it comes about to about uh, right now it's like $17,000. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I think, you know, when we look at some of the enrollment trends, I think the you, you could say, well, if, if, if we have 10 less students than we did before and it's 17 grand per kid, it should be about 170 K less in mm-hmm. the budget. Right. And, uh, you know, not to minimize that that kind of conversation on that side, but at the same time, you look at a lot of the other services that are, are being required, the stuff that right. was missed during the pandemic, right. and that we're now really having to to both to, to pull back in mm-hmm. and to, to reintroduce, but also to be able to kind of provide that level of service for right. for the students to be able to minimize a lot of those behavioral issues that really do have a big ripple effect. Yeah, yeah, and the school budget, respectfully, and I certainly been following it for a number of years. Um, it's complex, not easy to explain. Um, and even on that enrollment piece, the schools, to their credit, and this is, I think, is one of the reasons why we're doing this, because we need to better tell the story. And I think even the Superintendent Jaguar recognizes the need to better tell the story. While the enrollment has been going down, the teacher population has also been going down in accordance with that. But unfortunately, we don't see that in the overall budget because the budget's going up. Because, oh, by the way, while those things are going down, other things are increasing, and oh, by the way, faster. So you're missing the the expected decline. It's there, but it's hidden. <laughs> right? So now how do we better tell that story? I think they're getting you're getting to a better point with, because they didn't even have kind of the student-teacher ratio at the high school because it was kind of hard to calculate because of the way the high school situation is. Elementary is fairly easy. you got all the kids in one class. Middle school gets a little bit more complex because you've got team approach, but they still have homerooms. So you can calculate those. High school, well, you have a homeroom, but then you're all over the place, depending yeah. upon what your school is. So, but you still need kind of that student-teacher ratio. And I know they capture it because that drives their hiring practices, et cetera, um, and thereby their reductions accordingly. Right. One of the other pieces, having known as well, my wife retired. That's one of the bigger pieces that since the population still is aging, a lot of those retirements, some of those positions allow the district to make an easier choice because some people they just don't replace. Mm -hmm. And you don't see, quote, the cut. You just don't replace somebody. Now, some positions you still need when people retire, you still need to replace them. 
So others come in, but then you also have coming in at a lower level than what was going out at a higher level. But again, because everything else is increasing, it gets lost in the shuffle. You don't see that you're actually delivering, you know, whether it was 500, it's now 490, but the expenses went up, so you don't notice it, right? It, it becomes complex. Yeah, because, you know, certainly, you know, we, we talked earlier about like that, like the Franklin 103, the teachers were off. Sure, when the it was notified, right, yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's certainly when, if you were to just to kind of start the school year with 103 less, that's substantial, and you see that change. But but you're right, though, there's a lot of, you know, reduction through attrition. Right. And when those positions aren't being backfilled, it's it's not a reduction. It's not, you know, I'll say, you know, it's, it's not flashy. It's not newsworthy. Right. It right. just is something that, <clears throat> mm -hmm. you know, they say, well, you know, like we're, we're optimizing and, you know, through efficiencies, we're saving right. this much money, but it's still a reduction in force. Correct. Yeah. And I know much has been made on the town side, and respect, rightfully so, because the police and the fire came out of civil service at different times, so they've restructured, and they've restructured now also in changing, going to the four days, different shifts, et cetera. And there's efficiencies within that, totally by that. The schools have done something almost similar with the contract, at least on the table, so the steps and the lanes, and people don't necessarily understand steps and lanes. I was fortunate that I had a teacher who helped explain to me what the steps and the lanes were. But given what the steps and lanes were when she started versus when she left, there were significant changes there. And those just don't happen overnight. That's negotiation, right? And that's also affecting a better efficiency of the dollars, right? It, when it started 15, 20 years ago when she was starting, there was much more opportunity for teachers to get increases along the way. Now you're getting this cost of living until you hit the major breakpoints, in which case, because you're continuing education, and again, it's a professional environment, like other professional environments, you have to maintain your certification. And I think it's every five years. I don't think that part has changed yet. Um, so you have to have continuing ed credits, have to prove to DESE that you've got to, et cetera, to maintain that. So instead of having, I don't know, call it 20 lane, 20 steps in, it may have been up to 15 lanes. It certainly was, I think it's down to about five or six now. There was some significant reductions there. That story hasn't been told. And I think would be fair in comparison to the police and fire restructuring. You've done that on the school side. It just hasn't been told. That's great. Yeah, I definitely, I always, appreciate your insights because there's a, there's a lot of that, those conversations yeah that that haven't been mm -hmm. been told or, or that you know may only kind of come up in in a meeting or two or in a workshop or a, a subcommittee and not necessarily into the public forum exactly right and uh because yeah there's a uh, but you know there, there's a lot of work being done to really provide uh, you know a lean budget mm -hmm. you know and that's that's really you know like what we what we have right now and, and even though you know you could look at the the size of the budget um, you know, it's it, it runs lean. Uh, uh -huh. There, there. You know, there's positions that are just, you know, provide that direct impact. Either directly for the uh -huh. students, or kind of directly, you know, like to, to help support the students and right. the staff. Right. But uh, yeah, it's it's certainly not a not a bloated budget, uh -huh. though it may be the largest one. Correct. Taking up 55 percent right now of the total overall town yep. operating budget. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, when my daughter said, been going through to even to high school. 
the sports fees started when they were there. So prior to that, they could run track, cross country, pay nothing. Then it went up to 25. I think it's 75, if I recall now. Uh, maybe 125. I forget exactly. I haven't looked at the table because we haven't had the use on it. Um, bus fees also have increased over time. Uh, activity fees get introduced and then have increased slightly over time. Those are all things that, you know, 20 years ago didn't exist, right? And yet because they're, quote, fee revenue, they're not really in the budget piece, but they're funding things that technically could be in the budget because at some point in time they were, right? And going back to the trips, PCCs will fund a trip. Whether it's go to the what the fourth graders go to Plymouth, mm -hmm. um, it used to be every fourth grade class went to Plymouth. Now it's only those PCCs that raise the money that enable the kids to go to Plymouth. The school district used to do that. Now is that still does that still fit within the matrix of the portrait of a graduate? Potentially it does, but now we could have the conversation around what aspects of whether it's a trip to whether it's Museum of Science or Plymouth or someplace that out of school experiential piece so that students get to experience the world outside of Franklin. <laughs> that's part of the education too. You know, and that's what hopefully, you know, that that amendment to, to you know reintroduce that uh, you know additional funds into into the school's mm -hmm. uh, budget of request hopefully helps to, to start to, to drive. You know, really, you know, like specifically, what what are we looking at? What do the schools really need uh, to to provide? You know, like that great level of service to, mm -hmm. to all the students. And yeah, right. I know. Yeah, I I, uh, I got I got a kick out of it when during that that FinCon meeting. This is like that deep dive, as you mentioned. When you know, when uh, uh, the chairman had asked, like, yeah, you know, like could could the school spend more money if, if we gave it to them? Without hesitation, town administrator Jamie Helen was like, there's a sunrise in the east. <laughs> and it was, but, you know, like, there's, there's, there's so many other avenues that, right. that we could be you know, pursuing, so many other things that we kind of could pull back mm -hmm. in. And that sometimes when the, the budget request is just, you know, as, as it was uh, initially, just to kind of provide level service with, with slight growth in, mm -hmm. in one direction right. or another, right. uh, you know, you, you, you don't even get to have those conversations like, no. should we reintroduce right. field trips across the board or kind right. of keep it with right. the, uh, the PCCs? Or start or, reintroducing librarians or right. start reintroducing the foreign languages. Uh, there's, there's so many different programs that could get reintroduced. At some point in time, potentially they should. Now, maybe there's some programs that could cut over time. Maybe it doesn't make sense to reintroduce them today because of the world has changed. Mm -hmm. That, that's fair. I'm open to that. But there's an opportunity, I think, to at least start putting that wish list together, right? Because I think, and I fear that people, as busy as the world is and as time crunched as we are, everybody's focused on, okay, this is the box. We're going to play within the box. This is what we need to do in order to make things happen. And I understand that. But at some point in time, we also have to step back and say, well, is that the right box? Right. Should the box be bigger? You know, as another piece related, Tri-County is going to potentially build a new building for the same amount of students. Now, people would say, well, why not? But on the other hand, with all the stuff that I've been hearing about the climate side and through our rep and others, we need more electricians. We need more people to do the grunt work effectively or respectfully 
to build that new environment so that we can deal with a non-fossil fuel environment. And how are we going to train them? Is the thousand people coming out of Tri-County going to be sufficient to meet the needs? That's a question somebody should be asking. And hopefully if somebody hasn't asked it by the FinCon meeting, I'll, I'll put the, the question through to somebody so I don't necessarily have to ask it. And if nobody else wants to, I will ask it. I'm not bashful. <laughs> always grateful for, for that aspect, too. And when you yeah when you're talking about the the boxes too it was something yeah that that it's just that's why I was really pushing and so kind of grateful that we we started that that list that mm-hmm. running list of the right. stuff that that wasn't included because it's definitely right. yeah it's I know you know for me it'll be you know it's it's so much more simplified if there's just one you know PDF or one document mm-hmm. that says here's right. all the stuff that all the schools yeah. are trying to ask for. And, uh, you know, to be able to kind of provide that through line to say, as we start to move forward, you know, like, we have, well, why isn't that stuff mm-hmm. on the list? And right. is it, you know, is it because uh, just due to a lack of funding or is it, you know, more, it really didn't, mm-hmm. didn't make sense. It didn't kind of apply yeah. to the graduate. And for those, I do what I do to help the rest of the Franklin community understand you're in a position where you see at the meetings There'll be a district improvement plan update on this aspect, an improvement plan update on this aspect, the school will update on this piece. And in each of those presentations, they'll be making reference to, well, that's on our request list for this year, or that's on our request list, and we haven't got to that yet. We're working on this. We're piloting. But those need to really be put aside and checked to make sure that they do come through the process. I believe that they do because that's how that page 10 ended up, right? A lot of other things went into the budget, and no, oh, by the way, these just couldn't quite fit into the box, so they went into this page, right? And your colleague, uh, school committee person Bernstein, that's one of her consistent questions when each of the individual schools comes to up. Is there something else you need us to do, right? Which is an open-ended question, and respectfully, they're given some good answers. And, and, you know, it's, it's been great because that was, yeah, the most recent one we, we had, Jefferson, uh, and uh, the the principal and, and AP, and they were immediately kind of said, yeah, one of the items that's on page 10 is that <laughs> AP for, for student services. And now let's go into detail. This is why we asked it. Right. This is why we still think it's, it's needed mm-hmm. and required. Right. And while we're at mentioning Bernstein's name. In my years of experience, I've never seen somebody as creatively <laughs> explain <laughs> some of the budget issues that you had when she pulled out her Lego toys. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I truly meant it when I said I, I would love to have been a student in her classroom. You saw just uh, what a great educator she is when yeah, when she's using a, a visual representation to say, you yeah. know, it works. Here it is, and I wound up. I, I grabbed the bucket myself to kind of to, to showcase Take it and point. highlight it, uh, because it's it's fantastic and it's true as right. well. When we're kind of continually, right. you know, every year kind of taking off, uh, you know, a piece here and a piece there, um, you know, we're just we're 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 left with the situation where we're at, right? You know, right now. No, no, and things happen so quickly, move along so fast. You know, you put the piece aside, you put it aside, you go on. You forget, where was that piece? <laughs> Unless you step on it because it's Lego, you don't know it's there, <laughs> right? And then to the extent that we've got this other list of reductions over time, how big a bucket would that really be if we tried to quantify those, right? 
and and that was something that um, yeah my, my colleague um, uh, Miss Stokes had had kind of brought up to say yeah even the, the documents that's on page ten still isn't no. the entire picture and I think that it I think it would be incredibly helpful uh, to be able to to see that whole picture to say mm-hmm. you know this is this is everything this is a whole bucket right so we can start to to have conversations and, and make some choices to say you know is that where we want to to go uh-huh. and is that where you know we want to get to um but i i, I also think to just a, a, to on a to larger scope kind of looking you know with uh thinking about the uh the town administrators budget and recommendations that kind of came out there also needs to kind of be having conversations to say you know say if, if we got there you know, say if we had all the, you know, the money that we possibly could to be able to fill that bucket to meet every single goal that we had, mm-hmm. could we then make it sustainable? Right. You know, because I know that, you know, there's what always... What would it take a, to do that? Exactly. You know, because I think those are also, you know, um, it's kind of, you know, you, you know, you have to be like a two-prong attack to mm-hmm. be able to say, you know, this is exactly, you know, what we need, but moving forward, here's how we're going to be able to kind of keep that, that sustainable... Uh, you know, growth and mm-hmm. increase. I know that, uh, I think he's you mentioned before, uh, that, you know, if everything's kind of with, contained within, you know, 2.5% increase year over year over year. Correct. It's it's easy. You know, it, it makes, yep. it, you know, there's, there's, you know, very little uh, difficult choices and challenges mm-hmm. because everything's just kind of going with the same... Uh, well, we've been fortunate because we've had, at least for the most recent, call it 7 to 10 years, no inflation to speak of. So we could go within the 2.5% and live within that. Now you start throwing inflation into the mix, and again, who's, who knows what the future is going to be? The crystal, we don't have that crystal ball. But that's, that's throwing a wrinkle in, so it's, it, the 25 does doesn't go as far when you get a 4%, 6% inflation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, just the cost of just doing business alone, yeah, all of a right. sudden. just And, and I right. mean, everybody... You know, you go to the grocery store and you see it's more expensive. Everything is is yeah, yeah it is higher, and and so yeah, like that that purchasing power just decreases over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but yeah, I think if I think we are able to kind of do those those two things simultaneously, mm-hmm. be able to kind of talk about this is exactly what we need for for the students, but also once you know if we were to be able to get there, how do we maintain that? Right. You know, without having to. I know that in uh you know in the past it was a constant um you know just kind of you know grabbing from the stabilization uh you know account like the, the rainy day fund mm-hmm. year over year right. to be able to kind of keep balancing uh you know the budgets and that's not a you know i don't think that's this is not a sustainable no. No. growth because the, the biggest piece that went into it was the nine million dollar one time settlement from the deal in the, the bellingham siting for a project over there and we got nine million as a mitigation so that nine million went in and then you know a million here a million and a half here it disappears in a few years right. <laughs> and now, if you're constantly relying on that year over year all of a sudden yeah you, you look around and you see that that piggy brinks empty and, and right. you you're back to making some some hard choices and right. hard decisions right. yeah and that's where at least the town to its credit has maintained and grown some of the stabilization funds such that we are now in a triple a rating which mm-hmm. whenever we go to expend something uh, i.e the beaver street interceptor we'll, we will pay the best interest rate it may still be a little bit more than what it was 
but it'll still be the best interest rate as opposed to if we had a double A rating. Uh, it will cost us less. Um, but that speaks to the financial integrity and we built over the time. Um, and I know you've done some of it in your utilization of kind of the, the recurring funds, um, but you've also hit a point where you can't do much more of that. That story also needs to be told because every time you've used that, and if I recall, it's been, what, the last four or five budgets? You're at the bottom of the barrel, I think, in Merriam's term. There, there is no more there. <laughs> well, and that's just where, especially to kind of get to what was originally, I think, like a 2.8 um, you know, million increase was largely just because of where we were going to, I'll say, overutilize, but really draw heavily, uh, more so than in the past years, mm -hmm. from a lot of those revolving accounts. Right. And yeah, and that's not that's you know not sustainable because when we continue when we go back the following mm -hmm. year, it's just it's that much less that yeah. that we have. Yeah. And I know that's you know um, it was a conversation that just recently kind of came up talking about the circuit breaker reimbursements. Mm -hmm. and those are, you know, typically received, but, you know, spent the following year. Correct. In the past year, in order to kind of balance the budget, the circuit breakers, which, you know, again, were, were meant for mm -hmm. the following year, were kind of utilized, you know, immediately. Right. Um, and again, this just doesn't provide, uh, you know, stability, you no. know, well, forward. Ironically, and that's one of the pieces we'll take a couple minutes because I'm not sure how well you know the story, but it was in 2007 that there was a major financial issue on the school side. There was a forensic audit, and as a result of the audit, Miriam got hired. And I remember distinctly because coincidentally, and I actually told the story in uh, a recording that Lucas Jaguer had done and I, and I had done. There were seven members on the committee, I think Rep. Roy at the time, there were 14 questions. Each committee member got two questions each. Those 14 questions I posted, school business administrator interview questions. To this day, if you use that phrase, you will come in, in the top 10 on the Google search, will come to that Franklin page. And that's actually, it's something I- It wasn't planned that way. But. It just happened that way. But the real point of it was, Miriam came in because, for whatever reason, there was an issue, and she's brought in a fiscal process. And oh, by the way, the revolving funds, of which have grown over time because of various utilizations, et cetera, it is your fiscal policy, based upon the results of that audit, to maintain a year's worth in, in the fund as part of the fiscal policy. So the town has its fiscal policies and a whole set, that's one of your fiscal policies, and it's been a concern that you're deviating from it <laughs> and potentially getting back into a situation that, you know, <laughs> heaven forbid, Miriam's going out the door. We may have to bring her back to help us, right? <laughs> but she, she's worked loud enough. She's going to go out and retire. Let her go and retire. <laughs> she enjoys, she needs her retirement like everybody else. But, you know, it's one, you know, with her retirement, I wish her nothing but the best, but uh, I, I know that, yeah, we're, we're going to be at a loss. She is mm -hmm. phenomenal. And I almost, uh, I, I joke with her, but almost kind of play a game every school committee meeting of can I stump her? Which is all it would take is me yeah. asking her a question and her saying she has to get back later. Hasn't happened yet. And no. I, it, it won't. No. No. She is she is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it, when I heard the news of her retirement, I actually pulled up that Franklin 
Mad was peace. Because, <laughs> all right, I got to start getting some questions under my belt. But, uh, yeah, you know, there's, there are all the guidelines with the, those revolving funds and with uh, sure. the circuit breaker reimbursements. And, and I know that in the past years, uh, you know, with the circuit breaker reimbursements that hadn't been, you know, they hadn't followed the school committee typical kind of guidelines. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just to be able to kind of provide that that financial stability for one more year. Right. Right. Yep. And just for the record, while we're at it, the town does something similar on their enterprise funds. So town budgeting requires the name of enterprise funds, revolving funds in the school, but they're functionally equivalent. It's user-based. User fees get charged, and user fees are maintained in separate buckets. And on the town side, we have uh, enterprise funds for sewer. So all the sewer rates, uh, trash and recycling, water, and then the new stormwater fee. And then you'll see as part of the budget piece that they can, and they deliberately manage within the user fee that's generated. So in, I think it was actually during COVID, the sewer usage went up, people were home, so they used more, flushed more toilets. Water went up, so that they flushed more. Some business uses declined because people weren't going to businesses. So it was almost like, well, how do we budget for that? (laughs) It was a new situation. How do we do that? There was fear at one point when Gorelick was going through its sale because Gorelick is one of our largest water users. If they had closed up, there was a whole bunch of water use. Where were we going to sell that water? Now, that may be a happy problem, but it was a problem that needed to be resolved. The end point is, there are user fees that go in, and then from within that bucket of user fees for water, sewer, et cetera, they manage the expenses within those fees. And occasionally, we'll do capital funds or capital expenses from within those fees, but there's a policy to maintain, I think it's approximately a million in each of those funds, to the same reason you maintain a year they call it a million. Maybe it's the year's equivalent. I haven't gone to that financial detail to figure out the two, but they functionally are comparable in terms of the financial accounting. So for the listeners, they're similar. Yes, they are slightly different, but they are similar. And the town does it, school does it. But when you start dipping into that and start deviating from the policy, that should become a red flag that there, there are things happening that we have to be careful for. Exactly. You know, because it's just, it's things that, yeah, you know, like, well, might last for a year or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, before you know it, all of a sudden, yeah, you're going to be in, in serious, you know, financial binds. Sure. And, uh, you know, and that's where, you know, when they, they talk about that fiscal cliff, you know, that I really think that, you know, and some of those red flags, like we're, we're mm-hmm. seeing a lot of those issues kind of play out right now. Yeah. Uh, I, I am hopeful. That if you know if there is some silver lining to kind of any of the budget conversations that are going to happen over the next couple of weeks and, and you know month, that uh, it at least starts to have uh, some conversations today, in anticipation for FY25 because mm-hmm. that's really where things are. You know, there's so many intersections kind of coming on in. Right. Uh, you know, and, and I talked about this before, uh, and spoken about it also at our last meeting, but. You know, we have there's over half a million dollars in ESSER funding Correct. in terms of, uh, you know, positions and initiatives that is set to expire. We're going to exhaust uh, the mm-hmm. ESSER funding. 
And with this current budget allocation, and so mm -hmm. half a million dollars will not be there in FY25. Right. Well, and I think it's slightly worse than that, if I may correct you, because effectively there are ESSA funds that are to the tune of almost $2 million already in the budget. <laughs> it was the last unallocated or unencumbered, to use another financial term, was that 500000 700000 that's the last piece, and then that's done. Right. Totally done. All then, the opera stuff, all the uh, COVID stuff, all the ESSA funds, they're done. And so it's a conversation. Now do we have, is it, say it's done, like, yeah, you know, like, so are we just going to abandon all those great positions and initiatives? Digital learning integrationists is another key piece that was added, and I think they've proved their value. Right. And but now you're going to have to find out how to fund that. And then there's uh, plenty of school adjustment counselors yes. uh, that were, were out there. And again, we kind of talk about all of the the behavioral issues and the mm -hmm. mental health issues sure. that are out there in the school systems that, that were already there pre-pandemic, but certainly got exacerbated right. uh, during COVID. Right. Yeah, you know, like, are those positions just gone or, or are we going to be able to try to find yeah. some money? Yeah, it's almost that? like it's a kind of a phrase, you know, it takes a village, but realistically, it does take a village. It takes the community in many ways and effectively all of society's issues are coming f at the forefront at the school and the school's being asked to solve those and it's not fair <laughs> on the one hand because they're while they're in one position they shouldn't have to fix all of the issues but to the extent that they are in a position to do so then the town i think needs to be aware of that and provide the additional funding so instead of giving you know uh, additional health support somewhere on the town side Deliver it to the kids. The kiddos are going to need it. And oh, by the way, the kiddos are our future. <laughs> there was, um, and I know I think, uh, Superintendent Jagir kind of opened up to, uh, I think it was during the joint budget subcommittee, kind of to that effect to mm -hmm. say all of these, these issues that are coming, there's that moral obligation to right. be able to, to not turn them away. Yeah, you know, and, a legal and, obligation. There's a moral obligation yeah. as well. <laughs> and, you know, and, and you know, uh, uh, Chairwoman uh, Denise Spencer at, um, you know, shared an, an incredibly alarming and, you know, awful statistic, mm -hmm. but talking about the rise of uh, students uh, attempting suicide and those with suicide ideation and yeah. self-harm. Yeah. Um, that, and, and again, is that something that you know, we, we can just kind of close a door to and, and say this is, you know, a problem for just exclusively for the families or a problem mm -hmm. for some other outside organization. Or if this is something that the the teachers are noticing and that's that's being noticed in the schools, uh, you know, can we provide that support for the students for those specific targeted needs that are mm -hmm. devastating and awful? Right. Uh, but unfortunately are there and appear to be on the rise as well. Yeah, and to the extent that they're impeding the delivery of the education for that student, then I think we have a, the moral and the legal obligation to kind of deliver them. Because otherwise the student, if they don't meet those needs, well, they're gonna have to get those needs met in some other way. Mm -hmm. Heaven forbid it's staying back, or heaven forbid it's you know getting extra you know summertime, et cetera, whatever that circumstance is, but they still need it in order to continue to grow as an individual, so. Yeah, you know, and, yeah and with that, that disruption of the student too, is that uh, this was something that was during, uh, we had uh, Parmenter School was, was presenting. Mm -hmm. And the way that 
as a school committee, what we kind of get is on usually like Friday afternoon, we get our, our agenda and the, the packet. packet. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to say, all right, here's, you know, here's the guest presentations, here's everything that's going on. And so I was, I'd looked at that over the weekend and then uh, Tuesday came around and we actually get the presentation. And Parmenter had a slide that talked about the the number of kind of crises that they were yes. having to respond to. Yes. And I had kind of questioned because there was a difference from the document that I had on Friday versus what was being presented mm -hmm. to me on, on Tuesday. And they said that just in those two days It's a dynamic environment. Things they, still yeah, happen. <laughs> even more and, and yeah, and there was and there was one specific incident where that involved uh, you know, unfortunately them having to to work with in, in uh, one uh, student but involved kind of like the evacuation of an entire classroom. Uh, and, and they're not unique in that. No, absolutely. No, this they're is something unique. that's kind of across the board. And so right. when we, you know, look to say that, you know, the students' needs are so much greater, mm -hmm. it's not only the, the needs of, of that one particular student, but or by, by not kind of immediately addressing the right. needs of that student, it causes this ripple effect that might cause, you know, learning loss. Uh, for the entire classroom as we yes. you know need to be able to kind of handle that one Absolutely. particular student. Yeah. And I think to tie that loop and to reinforce it as well because my wife unfortunately had a situation where one of her kindergarten kiddos uh, they evacuated I think it was 10 or 12 times in the first 30 days in the first 30 days of kindergarten right so disrupting kind of that early day process orientation getting a routine that got interrupted and who had to do the intervention was the principal, the assistant principal, the other special ed people, which is why that assistant principal was being put in because those are the resources that are the ones who have to deal with those because, oh, by the way, she still had 20 kids to go back to when she could go back in the classroom. Right. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, but it happens. It, yeah, it is just such a ripple effect that, yeah, it's, it's not just the students, but, yeah, you see so many mm -hmm. other teachers are getting pulled in, so many admin that, yeah, like, those principals had other jobs and other responsibilities. Yeah. You know, and, and we saw this, too, at uh, the beginning of this school year where there was, you know, all summer long, I feel like you couldn't turn on the news without hearing uh, talks of a national teacher shortage. Mm -hmm. And you know, sure enough, you know, we opened and, we suffered you know, that, that same thing as well. Yep. And uh, I know, you know, Superintendent Jagir filled in for a couple of classes and mm -hmm. so did some of the others. And his plate is already full with, you know, the, the tasks that he has in front of him. Sure. But because of, you know, so many other requirements and so many other mm -hmm. just gaps that are kind of all across the board, uh, it's, it's causing, you know, so many different people to be pulled away from the job that's directly in front of them. Mm -hmm. To be able to kind of fill some of the gaps that are left, because I, you know, we, you know, in, in this case, uh, you know, we weren't able to to attract and pull in enough teachers mm -hmm. to start, uh, you know, right. in September, or such as the case with well, the pools generally weren't large enough for us to find somebody within that that would meet our requirements, mm -hmm. in so many words. So yeah, the, if the pool is smaller, it becomes that much more difficult to find the right person. Right. for the district it just becomes a more competitive market right all across the board because right. every you know district in, in massachusetts mm -hmm. is fighting over that smaller pool sure. of teachers yeah yeah well we've kind of covered a lot of budget items and some side topics along the way <laughs> so thank you for taking time for this session and i'm sure i think we've got a few more coming <laughs>
Uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, <laughs> we definitely got a lot more uh, to talk about. I don't think uh, you know this term uh, for the school committee is kind of gonna gonna go quiet. I think mm -hmm. there's, there's a lot of other big issues on the horizon. And so uh, again, I really appreciate this opportunity, and I look forward to more conversations we could have. Yeah, and Chloe, in the show notes, will if you don't already have, certainly we'll put it into the school committee page so that people have your contact info if they don't already have it. My contact info would be out there, so if people have any other questions or clarifications around what we talked about, or, hey, why don't you talk about this next time? We're open to that. Absolutely. I know you've got a full plate, but we're open. We'll consider it. It may be related to something we're going to talk about anyway. Doors always open, and uh, you know, certainly for for those who ever tune into the school committee meetings, know that I'm uh, I'm not a uh, you know I'm I'm always open to chat, to ask more questions, to listen. You know, sometimes. Maybe to the chagrin of some of my colleagues, I chat a bit too much, but I'm I'm always there. Uh, Just don't go beyond ten o'clock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, and I do want to say too, and and you really kind of tying into, uh, you know, when we talk about the needs of our students, uh, the, uh, the the Franklin Public Schools uh, has a mental health and well-being task force. Yes. If I can kind of give them a quick plug. Absolutely. We have uh, there's a terrific event coming up, a critical conversation, and it's a perspective on students' well-being. It's occurring on Wednesday, April 26th at 7 p.m. at the Franklin High School Auditorium. Mm -hmm. There will also be a Zoom link for those that want to attend uh, virtually. Yep. And uh, there's just, we're gonna be able to, to hear from, directly from, from students and from uh, individuals within the schools uh, and, and outside the, the school system as well, but just to talk about the different perspectives uh, from uh, the students, to hear directly kind of from the students about what they're going through. Mm -hmm. and about some of the challenges that they're facing today and, and how they're feeling because the schools and, and the students' experience today is substantially different from when I was right. in school. Some of the, the stuff that they have to deal with and they have to go through, even outside of COVID and, and mm -hmm. the pandemic, is substantially different. And then you toss in a global pandemic, right. and there's a lot that these kiddos uh, need, and this is it's going to be a wonderful opportunity to hear directly from the students, to hear from... Um, uh, a lot of professionals in the field as well to be able to provide some great resources to, to, to parents and to uh, families in the mm -hmm. community as well. So, again, that's April 26th, 7 p.m. Yep. That's coming, coming around the corner. And we'll also put in the plug, certainly if folks haven't already subscribed to get kind of the school committee alerts, for agendas, subcommittee meetings, uh, other events like the critical conversations, which I think is the fourth in the series. There's at least two or three prior of different topics, but it's in the series, which is all good, uh, needs to happen. Um, and then clearly we referring back to the budget hearings coming in May. Um, if you've got any concerns, talk with some of the FinCom members, talk with some of the school committee members, talk with your town councilors as well. Uh, we, we get the conversation going, we'll need to figure it out. It's a community issue and you know, my final piece is we do this because Franklin matters. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements and I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org 
If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. And by the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.